0: Three,
1: two, one. Welcome to Learn Videography, a podcast dedicated to mastering the art and business of becoming a full-time videographer. Presented by Industry Jump, hosted by director Kyle Loftus and producer J.J. Englert.
0: Let's go. Welcome back to Learn Videography, your podcast to learn everything you need to know about becoming a full-time videographer. As always, I'm here with my co-host Kyle Loftus and our special guest for today, Andrew Sandler, a producer and director in Los Angeles. Who was recently nominated for several video music awards for his work for Blink One Eighty Two? How are we doing, gentlemen? Fantastic! What's up? Doing well. How are you guys? Great, man. Great. Good, man. Stoked to have you on Thanks this pod. I know it's going to be value packed with gems for our listeners, for sure. I'm excited. Let's jump into
2: Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, you know, before we uh, before we dive, you know, directly into all the details, you know, first let's get them just a, a broad introduction here to you, Andrew. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about? Yourself, you know where where your career and your passion, you know, first began for filmmaking, um, and how you kind of started to edge your way into the incredible um, list of of just platforms and, and different content that you've created now, and, and the career status you have. For sure, um,
1: I mean, of course, I was always a fan of movies. I love Spielberg movies. I love going to the movies. Um, so my earliest memories are going to you know movie theater on Sundays with my grandparents, um, and naturally, uh, I'm born and raised in L.A. So. As I was growing up and watching these movies, I thought that I wanted to uh, be an actor when I was younger. So at the age of nine, I told my mom I wanted to act and um, we took headshots. We ended up finding a a manager from those headshots who got me an agent. Um, And I started doing commercials and uh, TV and film very early. I was in like a Washington Mutual commercial and a Polaroid commercial when I was nine or 10 years old Um, and then some TV shows. And then eventually I got casted in um, Steven Spielberg's Minority Report. Which is a funny story because actually the way I got casted in that was I was on a TV show called Gideon's Crossing and I um, had to do a monologue from Jaws. So after we shot the monologue, they actually had to send the monologue to Steven Spielberg to approve it. Um, And he watched the monologue, he approved it. And then about a week later... I get a message from my agent asking uh, if I wanted to be in Steven's oh, next movie, so sick. Um, which was insane because <laughs> all my favorite movies growing up were Steven Spielberg movies. And, you know, at, at the time I was, I didn't really understood what it meant to, you know, be working with Steven Spielberg, but in hindsight, like what a crazy experience because it was supposed to be like a, a two day part in the film. Um, and he ended up keeping me on set for almost two weeks. So I was able to really, uh, you know, watch him work. And that's kind of when I realized that I wanted to, move from in front of the camera to behind, to be behind the camera, um, just watching him work. So I remember after, after I shot that film, I was just obsessed with learning everything I could about making films. I would literally, I was, I think I was like 14 years old at the time, 15 years old. My mom would drop me off at Barnes and Noble on the weekends Hmm. and I would just literally stay there all day long, like just obsessively reading every single book, like sitting in the aisles of Barnes and Noble, just reading every single book on filmmaking that I could. Nice. And this is like pre, this is pre like YouTube days. This is pre podcast days. This is like, you know, I'm going to date myself, but you know, this is before (laughs) (laughs) you had, you know, real access to cameras like people have now, you know? know?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you
1: know, it's like, it's so amazing now and it's, it's, it's so cool that we have all these tools now, but back then it's like, you actually had to, you know, go to Barnes and Noble and pick up a, you know, a book. Um, and of course, like, you know, watch BTS of films being made whenever they, you know, were shown on TV or whatever. So I became obsessed with the process of making movies. And I got a, you know, a DV camera at the time in high school and I would get all my friends together and we would shoot, uh, short films on the weekends. And we had a film studies class that they started offering at our high school. And in that class is where I started watching classic films for the first time. Um, I remember watching sunset Boulevard for the first time and I was blown away. This is back when they had like the four by three television sets and wheeling on a car. Yeah. (laughs) You know? And so I just remember watching all these classic films and I was just obsessed with the filmmaking process. And I remember um, getting Final Cut Pro at the time when it first came out and then shooting more short films. I remember the first time uh, shooting a film and then bringing it into the edit program for the first time and then sound designing it and then being able Mm -hmm. to marry, uh, you know, video with sound. And it just kind of opened up my whole my whole world to this new, you know, form of storytelling. So anyway, I started looking up and researching what the best film, scru- film mm-hmm. schools were. And of course it was NYU and USC. Um, mm-hmm. And of course being from LA, I always wanted to go to USC, but I was a terrible student in high school. <laughs> like, cause yeah. I was just so focused on filmmaking. Um, yeah. So of course I didn't have the grades to get into USC at the time, but I knew that I wanted to go there no matter what. I set my, you know, my sights on it. I went to city college and I remember one of my, uh, one of my guidance counselors I was like, you know, I don't care about all these stupid classes I have to take. Like, why, I want to be a you know, film director. Why do I have to mm-hmm. you know, learn Spanish or like this, you know, mm-hmm. whatever? She's like, well, if you want to be a film director, what are you going to make movies about? So I remember mm-hmm. going to City College for the first time. And that's, I, I looked at education differently. I knew that I'd take all these general ed classes to get to USC film school. Mm -hmm. So when I started taking those classes, I started looking at it from the perspective of like, okay, I have to learn, you know, I'm sitting in this psychology class. I don't care really much about psychology, but I looked at it from a filmmaker's perspective. Like, okay, how can I learn this knowledge and pretend like I'm making a film about the subject I'm learning in class? So almost Mm -hmm. like changed my entire mindset to focus on all the classes I was taking that I didn't care about before in a different way. Ended Mm -hmm. up doing really well um, at City College and ended up getting into USC and Looking back, it's nuts because it was the like the only school I applied to out of City College. Like, if I didn't get into that, I probably just wouldn't have continued with my education. Um, but I ended up getting into USC and I went to USC Film School for two years. Awesome. Dude, man. that's
0: awesome. I actually like followed the same thing as you. I came out of high school. I, I wanted to be a filmmaker. Late in high school, terrible grades. Wanted to go to USC. That was the number one school. I drove across country. Went to City College. Did well in City College. Then I actually got into USC but I ended up going to Chapman instead but I relate to that so much Chap- Chapman was one of the yeah one of the schools on my list I mean Chapman's amazing I actually worked with
1: the DP recently went to Chapman and their film school is incredible but it's so interesting hearing stories about kids who go to film school now versus when I went cuz when I went to USC film school I was the last class to shoot on film before mm-hmm. everything went digital so literally like the year that I was supposed to shoot my senior thesis was the year they're like literally moving buildings like into yeah. the new building um, so I feel like I was kind of like the lost year because the the, the whole focus of the teachers in the school was kind of like the next year after me because it was going to be the first year of like this full digital uh yeah takeover but uh the upside to that was i did get to shoot on film and it was so valuable to be able to have that experience
0: yeah i mean what kid can say that they literally wanted to become a filmmaker because they saw steven spielberg making films on set like you know who can say that like that is incredible man like, yeah, I would want to be yeah. a filmmaker too if I saw Steven Spielberg on set <laughs> directing. Like 100%. Like you were, you were yeah. blessed from the start. Yeah, super, super lucky and blessed. Um, so when you came out of USC, like what did that look like for you? How did you start to become this filmmaker? How did you build this business, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was tough. I remember coming out of film school and
1: I'm like what, like, what the hell do I do now? I remember there was like a couple month period after film school where, um, it was scary because it's like, you're, you know, you learn everything that you can in film school and you learn all the, you know, different, you get a little taste of all the different tools and get a little taste of all the different things. Cause when you're in film school, they make you do every role as an undergrad. You don't have to mm-hmm. pick a, you know, one specific thing like directing or cinematography. You kind of, you kind of do everything. So you're not really master at, at one thing. Um, and you right. come out of film school and you're just, they're just like, go on, you know, and that's why, you know, a lot of, a lot of, you know, like 1% of people, I think. Who come out of film school actually continue on in the business because it's really hard. Um, but I, I got really lucky. I started researching a lot of my favorite music video directors. You know, I was an MTV baby. Came home every day and watched TRL, and I was obsessed with music videos. Um, I kind of always knew that yeah, I, I wanted to use music <laughs> videos. Yeah, I mean, I mean, every single day would just come on and be obsessed with <laughs> the mm-hmm. countdown. And you know, it's Blink One Eighty Two. It's incredible that I work with them now because like they're one of the bands. You know, I grew up watching. Um, So I came out of film school. You know, I I knew who my favorite directors were. There was one director specifically that um, I looked up to all of film school, who actually went to USC. His name was Anthony Mandler, Um, and I was obsessed with his the video work that he did with Rihanna and Jay Z. And he was bringing something really different to videos that I loved, which was um, a different an element of storytelling and filmmaking that um, had a very unique style. So I reached out to him through a mutual friend that we had and we went out to lunch one day and um, he began, he really mentored me and connected me with the right people to get my
0: start. Wow. That's incredible. So, you know, essentially you made it happen. I mean, you found this person that you really identified, you know, or connected with, you found that mutual connection, you reached out to it, you made your own opportunity there.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I think it's so important when you come out of film school, or if you're just first starting out. Of course, like you need to have a mentor, and you know they're not going to you're not going to give you the opportunities. Not going to you can't expect that they're just going to hand out you know jobs or opportunities. But you have to use everything you know, all the tools that you learn from them to really, um, you know, go out there and get the work for yourself and 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 fight to get your name and your voice heard. Yeah,
2: definitely, definitely. And, and you know, would you say Andrew that a mentor is is something that you really value and continue to use, maybe you know, in, the, in this point in your career, or you know, is that something that you just encourage? I guess, kind of in the beginning, to get your footing, if you will, you know, and, and kind of uh, get a bit, bit more firm understanding of of just the industry and, and how things kind of operate.
1: Um, I think both. I think when you're first starting out, it's just as important to have a mentor as as when you elevate in the industry. I think that. You have to be a sponge, always be a sponge and always be learning. Um, one of my good friends, Modson, uh, just told me the other day, he said, you have to wake up a student and go to bed a teacher. Mm-hmm. So every day is just this constant cycle of, of learning and then giving back that knowledge to the next generation. Um, and without a mentor, I think it's, it's very easy to get lost in, this, in the business. Yeah
0: what's up guys we're back at it with our season-long sponsor audio socket the premier music licensing company they've been around for about 12 years now they have over eighty thousand songs in the library and they add over 100 new songs every single week they have trending indie bands djs hip-hop artists grammy winning composers and so much more audio socket is a brand that has values of love and loyalty and they strive to ensure that everything that they do includes this so it's just a really good company that we feel really good about endorsing.
2: Absolutely. You know, that's why we have them on the podcast is, is just how much they do for creators as as well as the artists that they work with. Um, it, guys, it, it just, it goes without saying, you got to check them out. Plans start at just $10 a month. On hmm. top of that, if you use the link listed in our bio or our description, yep. you can actually get the first month free. Go around, explore, check out all the different music they have to offer. Not only that, we've actually got some curated playlists already built out for you guys with some of our favorite music from the platform. So you can go check those out now. Be sure to check them out, audiosocket.com.
0: Yep, link in bio. Let's go. Let's go back to, you know, post-USC. You found this mentor. What, what was the path that you took to get to where you are today? Did you immediately open your own production company? Did you start working for somebody else? Did you, were you producing or were you directing? Like, what was that path for you?
1: Yeah, um... It's interesting because, you know, as as we all know, I'm sure a lot of people listen to this podcast, you know, have, have heard is, is there's not there's yeah. not one way into becoming a director. There's, there's like no one way into this business. Like, you know, if you want to be a dentist or a lawyer, you pretty much know exactly the path yeah. you have to take to become a dentist or a lawyer, right? But with, with uh, directing, there is no one path. And um, I knew that I also enjoyed producing. Producing for me was exciting because It's it's has a lot of the qualities of being a director, but it's also about uh, putting together teams, managing personalities. I didn't know a ton about, you know, the actual physical physicalities of being a producer, such as line producing and budgeting and all that. Mm -hmm. But I knew I was willing to learn and learn fast. Um, Anthony introduced me to a production company at the time called Riveting Entertainment. Uh, Andrew Mm -hmm. Listerman, he's a producer over there. Yeah, Um, I started working with them um, and. actually, let me take it back a second. So yeah. when I was introduced to Andrew Listerman, I was also friends of Wilmer Valderrama. Um, and Wilmer is actually one of my first mentors that I had who really taught me a lot about the industry. He was shooting a music video at the time with LMFAO uh, called Salute, And he asked if I mm-hmm. wanted to come on and produce it with him. I wow. didn't really know much about producing at the time, but you know, I, I did know that you have to always say yes to opportunities. Um, even if you don't <laughs> know what you're doing sometimes. Hmm. Um, so I, I said yes, 100%. and then I brought on Riveting <laughs> to produce it with me. Yeah, um, I brought on Riveting to produce it with me. And just through that one experience, I learned so much about producing. And from there, I kept working with Riveting, and I kept producing music videos and, um, you know, surrounding myself with, with players in a team who did know what they were doing. And, you know, just, again, being a sponge every single day and every single job learning something new. So I started off producing, and then once I was producing enough, then I started being able to get offered direct, you know, director opportunities from the producing. Mm-hmm.
0: How many videos do you think you produced until you were like, yeah, I'm pretty good at this. Like, I, I'm I'm, good, you know. Um, Let's see. So when I first started out, I was doing a lot of videos for
1: Chris Brown at the time. Okay. Uh, my first my first big video I produced was Chris Brown and uh, Nicki Minaj love more. <laughs> um, and Chris was directing that video and I remember he needed a club located nightclub location. And, um, I had a friend at the time who owned a club in Hollywood. So I was like, Oh, I know a club we can shoot at. And then he's like, you know, I also want to shoot an apartment. I was like, I know an apartment <laughs> we can shoot at. And then I realized like, that's, that's just really a big part of producing is just putting together situations and, and, um, taking the director's idea and, and figuring out how to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Right. So that was my first music video. And then after that, um, you know, I did about ended up doing about twenty videos with Chris, um, and I directed his documentary that came out on Netflix. Yeah. And was that like over the course oh, of like two, oh, yeah. three, four, five years? Yeah, that was uh, that was probably over the course of about three or okay. four years, actually. Um, but I mean, there's so many mus- music videos outside of that that I was producing um, aside from Chris. And again, it was just it's such a, a learning curve. And music videos, um, even though it's a stepping stone to film and TV, it's really where you can kind of you know, sharpen all the different tools that, you know, you go on to use in film and TV. And for me, that was the real purpose of it. It was, you know, I love, I love music videos. I love the artists that I get to work with. Um, But for me, it's always been about being able to master that and and learn so that I can take all that knowledge with me to the next step, which is film and TV. Yeah.
2: And, you know, would you say that that role for you is Producing or directing, or are you aiming to to still kind of do both of those? We uh we had a great actually just past a uh, podcast episode talking with uh, Mike P- Pessy, and one of the things we talked about was you know the sometimes the the need to narrow down and really stick to one kind of career path. What's what's your thoughts on that? And I guess what is what's your goal there with the future in film?
1: Yeah, I mean it's definitely it's definitely directing. You know, I really enjoy producing when the right opportunities present themselves. Um, like recently I produced Machine Gun Kelly's Downfalls mm-hmm. High. Um, because that was such an amazing opportunity. And for me, I love producing when when uh I really get to use my director cap. I don't really enjoy line producing or production managing mm-hmm. so much. Um, when I do produce, I hire a really strong line producer or production manager to work under me so that I can um uh, really focus on the creative side of producing. Mm-hmm. That's what's enjoyable to right. me. But I definitely agree. Like the reality is we only we all only have so many hours in a day and there's only so much time. And I think that that's something that you know, in the beginning of my career, I would say yes to everything, right? And I think it's important to do as much as you can on the way up, and and work in as many different roles as you can, so that you have a basic understanding of of how film sets work, right? Like when I came up, I was actually a PA on The Dark Knight in a uh, film school. Wow! And uh, wow! I remember I would... like unreal. It's dope. Pretty much the Hollywood. Yeah, journey I mean, I'm so and jealous. It's, it's so- so- <laughs> Yeah, the Hollywood journey, but then like, you know, my job was to like as a PA to do lock up on one of the corners that like sure. the car chase sure. was passing by. So for like, yeah. you know, 2 weeks of overnights, you know, I'm standing on a corner in downtown LA with a walkie-talkie literally just like you know, watching the car chase go by and that was, you know, my taste of <laughs> the dark night film experience. Um sure. but you know, it's about you know, all those opportunities add up and like I said you learn something new every time and you know, as a director you don't have to know the specifics of of everything, right? Like you don't have to be an expert or you know a technician at lighting or at um, editing or anything else because your job is to hire the best team around you and the best people who do know those things, right? If you, if you mm-hmm. want to be an AC and that's your goal in life, then you should learn everything about being an AC and be the best AC possible. But directing is a little different because directing your job is to communicate what your vision is and then have the best team possible around you to execute what that vision is. But I think it's important to have a basic understanding of all the different roles as much as you can, um, you know, so that you're able to communicate Absolutely. exactly yep. what you want and then trust that they're going to take that, you know, that that communication you gave them and then go off and and uh, execute that.
0: Yeah. Right, right. Are you still working with Riveting uh, today or do you have your own production company?
1: Um, right now I'm with Underwonder Content, uh, who's run by an incredible director, Frank Boren. Um, you asked earlier about the importance of having a mentor in your career. And it's it's interesting because I would consider Frank my mentor now as much as I've been able to do. Um, I signed with Underwonder about two years ago. And I did all my work with Machine Gun Kelly and Young Blood um, and Blink 182 with Underwonder. But, you know, Frank is a legend when it comes to music video directing. And he's somebody that I consider a mentor as well as an executive producer because he's always pushing me to be better, he's always teaching me something new. Um, And I think it's important to surround yourself with people who are better than you because, um, you know, if you're running a marathon with the fastest people, you're not necessarily going to win the marathon, but you'll probably improve your personal time, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that Mm -hmm. as you level up in your career to always be leveling up the mentor, be leveling up the team, be leveling up everyone around you. And it's okay to not be the best. Love it. Absolutely.
2: So you mentioned uh, you know, your your end goal there is to be a director in, in film and TV, right? You know, and, and I think I have a, a very similar goal and I think a lot of our listeners do as as well. So I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts, you know, and in, in kind of just putting yourself in the scenario of of a creator, a content creator, let's say they just got started in their career today. You know, they've they just bought their camera, they they started making video, they've been doing it for maybe a month or so, doing weddings, events, music videos, like how do you like outline your your trajectory to to get to a film director like what kind of path
1: would you start taking um yeah i mean it's it's interesting cuz you say you say film director right there's so many there's so much different kinds of content mm-hmm. now um and if you want to you know if you want to be a director for you know youtube videos or tutorials or whatever else right like that's great but if you want to be a film you know a film director then i think that you really have to Um, over time, really focus on the steps that it would take to become a film director. Right. So, um, I guess it would be one to start thinking about the kind of projects you want to make, you know, make projects you believe in from, you know, with me, for example, you look at the uh, music videos that I've done over the last five years, you know, five years ago, I was doing a lot of performance-based hip hop videos. I was doing as many, um, different kinds of videos as I can, as I could, and then the last year or two, I've really been a little more thoughtful about the kinds of uh, videos that I want to make. I try and make sure that everything that I do aligns with the the kind of film director I want to be two, three, four, or five years from now. So if you look at my work with Youngblood, for example, yeah. we went to yeah. Bulgaria and we shot a music video, Hope for the Underrated Youth. That was a project I was really excited to make because I was Amazing, able to flex. Amazing, by the way, something. man. Thank you. It's, definitely, it's one of my favorite videos and he is such an incredible artist and person to work with. And... You know that's that's also something to think about is like the kind of people that you're working with, the kind of people you're surrounding mm-hmm. yourself with, and making sure that that the artist you're working with, if you are a music video director, that you're trying to you know align all those things with the kind of director you want to be and the stories you want to tell. And I know it's easier said than done when you're starting out. You know you got to take on everything you can because obviously you have rent to pay, you have all you know bills, and you got to do what you can. But you know I think it is, at a certain point you really need to stop and think about what it where it's going if you want to just be a music video director then that's great keep directing music videos do as many music videos as you can if you want to be a film director um like i said start start changing the kinds of videos that you make Um, make more short films for example Be you know do as many short films as you can and just start really working the narrative muscle because you want to make sure that you know how to make beautiful imagery which is important in music videos but you want to make sure that when you do step on a film set that you know how to talk with actors, that you know all the other things that sometimes get forgotten in the music video process. Because sometimes in music videos, you're just so focused on making beautiful images, right? And then it gets to a certain point where it's like, okay, yep. I can make beautiful you know, images. I can do that. You know, what's next? Oh, this whole other side, which is telling stories. So whether, you know, whether you're doing a commercial, a music video, or anything else, you know, always try and think about um, you know, how you can use that to benefit your filmmaking journey.
2: Um, so we'd just love to hear your thoughts on, you know, it, it, just being from your having your, your experience, you know, being with Revenue Entertainment now being with Under One yourself, you know, what are your thoughts on signing, especially for our listeners, you know, anyone that's interested in maybe being a music video director or a DP? Um, what are what are the positives and, and maybe some of the negatives, you know, that, that come with signing with uh, someone?
1: I mean, look, everybody's, everybody's path is different. Everybody's journey is different. And ultimately you have to listen to your own intuition and do what works best for you, right? What works best for me, what works best for me might not work for you. And I think that's what also I love about producing is I get to, or when I did produce more often, I got to work with so many different kinds of directors and knowing that I eventually was going to direct as a producer, being able to work with that many different kinds of directors was the best education I ever got better than film school, because I'm learning how different directors operate and every director is different. If you give the same, this, you know, if you give four different directors, right, the same right. music video concept, you're going to get four different, completely different videos. So I think it's, that same theory applies to signing with a production company is, is um, there, it's invaluable to have a team of people around you that have different opinions and that have different viewpoints. And I think that you can only do so much by yourself. And at some point, you hit a ceiling and you realize that you need to surround yourself with a team who believes in you and pushes you to be better, but also can support you in different areas. Um, sometimes when you're doing too much, um, you know, like there has been projects where I've produced it, I've directed it, I've edited it, you know, I've done all these different roles. But at some point, something gets lost in the process because you're spreading yourself too thin. So the value of, of the value of signing with a production company is that now you get to plug in to somebody else's oxygen and focus on one specific thing. Um, you know, when I signed with Underwonder, um, it was incredible because one, I got the mentorship of Frank, whose uh, his opinion, his opinion, I, um, you know, value immensely. And two, um, he just came with a completely different set of experiences and, and, uh, um, and tools than, than I had with any other production company. Not that the other production companies were wrong. It's just different. And it opened up a whole different viewpoint for right. me and how to look at my own work and making sure like, oh, I've been doing things this way for so long, which was great for that chapter in my life. And now there's this next chapter that I'm going to start experimenting with different genres. You know, like I never worked really in the rock, um, alt-rock space until I signed with Underwonder, right? I was never doing videos for Young Blood and Machine Gun Kelly and, um, you know, Blink-182 and those kinds of artists beforehand. Um, So that's been really exciting to be able to experiment in different, in different genres. But I also think you can't underestimate the power of positive reinforcement, you know, the power of um, it it being okay that you don't know everything and surrounding yourself with a team that, that values you and, and pushes you to, to be better, to be great. Um, And also makes you not be afraid to take chances. You know, like Mm -hmm. when you surround yourself with a team or production company that supports a vision, you're, you're much more likely to take chances. And by taking those chances, your work is just going to get exponentially better. Yeah. And you've worked with some major
0: personalities, (laughs) like, you know, (laughs) that was great, man. (laughs) um, You've worked (laughs) with Justin Bieber, Chris Brown, Nicki Minaj, like huge personalities, like how how do you manage these personalities on set? Because one, you have a job to do. You have a video that you need to accomplish and film. But then there's always hiccups that come along along the way. They don't show up or they're late. Like, how do you manage top tier talent like that in a professional way? You know, to keep everything moving.
1: Um, I think first off, it comes with experience. You know, it comes with having done it for so long. I've been in so many different situations as a producer and director, and had to find my way out of different situations that. At this point, I don't think anything can phase me anymore, <laughs> uh, which is cool because at the end of the day, it's like, the thing is accidents are going to happen. Things are There's never been a shoot where nothing has gone wrong, but I think you have to look at it from a sense of of embracing every accident, embracing anything that could go wrong. Um, because for me, like I don't look at them as accidents. I look at everything that goes wrong as a miracle. There's been so many times where something has gone wrong and I had to take a different approach with it. And it's turned into something than I than I better than I ever even planned for or imagined for because we mm-hmm. had to pivot a certain direction. Um, mm-hmm. And when it comes to managing personalities, I think the, the key to managing different artists' personalities is just, is just listening. You know, always just, just being a listener. I think that when you listen to how an artist feels and when you ask questions as opposed to telling, telling them what to do and, and you, you ask them how they feel about a situation and make sure they feel comfortable with what they're doing and you let them be a part of the creative process, um, I think it changes the whole experience.
2: Love that, and, and um, you know, just building off of that, Andrew, would love to talk about too. You know, when you're working with high end talent and you get big budgets, you know, how do you make sure that you really give them the the fullest value? That you you make the fullest value out of that. You know, sometimes it almost can work to your advantage when you're you're kind of limited, right? You know, you're. You're forced to kind of be more creative and work within those parameters. But sometimes when you're given so much opportunity and, and you, know, you have so much to work with, sometimes that can kind of be counterintuitive, I, I would think, right? So I'd love to hear just your thoughts on that, on how you work with these big budgets, how you make sure that you're really creating something that, that is uh, really valuable and, and that every asset that you're spending money on is worth spending money on and, and adds more value to the video.
1: Definitely. I mean, one for me. I think that if if anything, having produced for so long helps me so much directing because when I am directing, um, as much as I try and turn the producing cap away and just focus on directing, inherently there's a lot of things I know as a producer that I apply when I'm a director. Mm-hmm. So I'm directing. It's like I have a the sense restraints. of the budget and I know, um, you know, kind of where that budget is going. Yeah, the constraints of it, and I'm I'm right, able to right. pivot and make decisions um, and kind of help make. A, kind of like solve anything that comes up because of the producing background. So I think that's super helpful and I think that all directors should learn more about producing. You don't necessarily have to know how to do a line budget unless you want to learn how to do a line budget, but I do think you should know the bare minimum about producing, talk with producers about how they problem solve so that as a director you can better problem solve because the reality is for these music videos, you have 12 hours to shoot and if you're spending um, you know, an hour problem solving something that you could have problem solved in 5 minutes if only you spent a little more time gaining you know some specific producing knowledge that could have helped you come to some better resolution then that hour is really important out of a 12-hour day that's huge right and also you have a you know an artist who's there um looking at you to make decisions and the last thing you want is an artist be waiting in a dressing room for an hour while you figure <laughs> out something lighting wise you know there's been so many times the reality is there's been so many times where I've, I've had to sacrifice something on set um because the artist was waiting and it's either like, okay, do you want, do you want to go hang these, you know, spend a half an hour hanging these two lights in, in the sky because the lighting will, will look a little bit better and make your artist wait in the trailer and have the artist come out in a terrible mood because they just waste, because they just wasted an hour of their day. They could have been in the studio yeah. or with their kids or whatever else. Right. And you have to make those decisions and sacrifice certain things. And at the end of the day, when the video comes out and it's edited and people are watching this at home, are they going to notice the difference between if you put that mm-hmm. those two lights in the sky or didn't probably not I'll, i know yeah. any dps listening to this are going to hate me for saying this but like you know that's that's the reality is like <laughs> people are probably going to notice you know and it's and uh, the Story's appreciation king. the art yeah story is king and the appreciation that artist has for the experience they had with you and not having to sit in their trailer is going to lead to um yeah. Just better energy, better. You know, you might get something in the hour that you didn't plan for that ends up in the video, and you're like, wow, that's my favorite moment. I would have never gotten that moment if, you know, we spent an hour fixing mm-hmm. some stupid problem. Right. So I think that comes with, with knowing how to push the budget around. I think that you should always be, um, cognizant of, of making sure that you're putting the most money on screen as possible. And what, am I, what I mean by that is like, um, Making sure the money is going in the right places that that ends up in front of the camera, that ends up, mm-hmm. you know, being part of the story or what people see. You know, don't spend money on, you know, stupid shit that that doesn't, you know, matter or doesn't change the the visuals or change, you know, the end product. So I think it's just really important about, you know, being careful about where money is spent, especially on the lower budget stuff. But you're right, some of the lower budget stuff I've done is some of my my favorite work because mm-hmm. you're you're really forced to focus on what's important. I would say right. don't get caught up in the technical side of things especially as a director if you're getting caught up in in you know what lenses and what camera and what this and that it's important to know those things for sure but if you get caught up in that you're not focused on what's important and what's important is you you know how the artist looks and feels in front of the camera you know if you're so focused on the technical then and you're sitting in video village in the next room while your artist is performing the artist isn't going to feel you there and therefore may not give the best performance or may not feel like you know you're paying attention to them and i think it's important you know, especially music videos to make sure your artist is always comfortable.
0: Yeah. And, you know, yeah. when you're brainstorming these ideas for these videos and you're writing treatments and concepts, like, where does that come to you? Do you just listen to the song a million times over? Or do you meet with the artist? Like, how do you come up with these concepts for these videos?
1: <laughs> it's funny you say that because I have like three treatments that were due on <laughs> like 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 last friday and and uh Frank is like constantly texting me um like, where are they and it's funny cuz some you know like sometimes like I'll get sent a song and I'll have the idea within the first you know time listening to the song first three mm-hmm. times listening to the song and sometimes I'm sitting on a song for um one or two weeks I'm just like I just can't I can't believe yeah. anything yeah um but the answer to that is that inspiration comes from everywhere I think it's important to observe the world Around you. you know, I think a lot of directors get stuck in Pinterest or they get stuck in, um, you know, pulling references from other music videos. And while yeah. that is an important resource to have, and Pinterest definitely helps, helps you, uh, you know, pull imagery that may help articulate your vision. Um, there's not a lot of originality to that. And I think mm-hmm. the only way to, to get originality is to pull inspiration from different resources. Um, uh, Underwonder just did a video uh, for Lil Nas X, Montero. And there's a great article that came out with uh, Tanu, who's an incredible director. I think it came out in Variety on Friday. But she talks about how her inspiration from that video came from old Bosch paintings. You know, like um and all different kinds of paintings. And that's that's fucking cool. Like mm-hmm. that music video concept is coming from a painting from a, you know, mm-hmm. a couple centuries ago. Like that's nuts. Yeah. So I think it's, you know, you should be able to pull from from anywhere. Um, but treatments are definitely an interesting. Uh, part of the process, and yeah. kind of frustrating sometimes. Yeah,
2: one hundred percent. Andrew, I'm, I'm curious. We'd love to talk a little bit more just about your your process and the the pre production process. You know, so how much a, a, as a director, you know, how much are you like locking down and you know putting, I guess, needle to, to paper on what you're doing? Like, are you are you building out a full shot list for every music video you do? Or are you using more of a storyboard and you have some general guidance, you know, the shot overlay of, of you know, what you generally need to capture, but you kind of leave that creative freedom on set. And then I'd also love to know, like, what, what is your communication process like? And I know this can ar- arguably, you know, vary based on who you're working with. But for instance, like with a DP, you know, how much of it are you just lending the trust to him saying, you know, here's, here's the idea, here's how we want to do it, here's the treatment. Or like, how much is it is, you know, this is what I want. These are the lights I want to use, yada, yada. I would just love to hear hear more about your process.
1: Um, for, for me, everything depends on, I guess, the, the kind of music video I'm making, the people I'm working with, like you said. It's kind of varies from video to video. And I do what's, for me, I do what's best for, for the video. I don't shot list too often. I'll make more of a beat sheet. So if it's a narrative, if it's a narrative concept, I'll usually make a beat sheet of important moments that I know I need to get that will connect the story visually from A to B to C to D. And then those moments, I have that with me. I have that beat sheet on set with me so that I have my back pocket just in case, you know, sets crazy and I'm dealing with 500 things and this and that. And then, you know, I just (laughs) kind of like, (laughs) you know, refer to that because if you know, if you don't, if you're if you're telling a story and you get A and B, but you forget to get C and you just go straight to d there's going to be a huge disconnect in the edit right and you don't get the luxury of pickup days and music (laughs) videos like you do in movies so you can't go back and get that and then you're missing a huge part of your story um so B sheets for me are really important um i don't shot list that much unless there's some sort of action going on on camera or some sort of technical element that's really important to to do a shot list for just to make sure you execute everything perfectly Um, I know there are a lot of DPs I've worked with who do overheads, which I think, uh, can be really cool and helpful to have a DP do an overhead, just so you kind of know ahead of the day, um, what he has in mind for lighting. There hasn't really been Mm -hmm. too many, too many times where I've told my DP what kind of lights to use. I think it's more of a general Mm -hmm. conversation of, of what we want the tone to be, what we want the look to be looking at references together, photos. Um, I try and use movies for references as much as I can over any other medium. Um for me, that's where I get a lot of my inspiration from. Yeah. You know, it's kind of goes back to what we talked about, which mm-hmm. is like what kind of director do you want to be? If you want to be a film director, then start making mm-hmm. videos that that look like movies, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we'll pull inspiration from from films. And you know, somebody who's really great at that is Taylor Randall, who you had on your last podcast. We just did a video mm-hmm. recently where we um looked at fight Club together. We looked at one of the scenes in Fight Club and we kind of pulled inspiration for that, um, for that look and feel. And I think that's more important to me than a shot list or anything else is visual references.
0: Um, So, Andrew, let's take it over to the work that you did during the pandemic. I believe you worked with Blink-182 to create a video for them during this time when we were all at the stay-at-home orders. You had to do it remotely. Can you talk about that experience, how that came about, and what it went on to becoming? Yeah, so so the song Happy Days we ended up doing the music
1: video for is a song that they pitched me actually um, over a year ago to do a music video or after we wrote the treatment, they decided that they wanted to switch the single from Happy Days to Dark Side. So we ended up shooting the music video for The Dark Side, which is a video with, with all the kids dancing in the auditorium. Um, and then Happy Days never happened. So flash forward uh, a year later after that, COVID happens, the pandemic hits, and we're sitting in the beginning, you know, beginning of quarantine. And I think like everyone else, I was just kind of like freaking out because I'm not used to just not, not going to set or not working. And in my mind, I was like, I have to be doing something. What can I do? I was sitting in my office one day and my uh, iTunes was open and that song started playing because it was in my, um, my recently listened to list of, of tracks that I get from labels. Um, so that song came on. And right away when I was listening to the lyrics, I was like, holy shit, this is, I had like an aha moment. I'm like, the lyrics to this song, even though it wasn't made for COVID, like is kind of what everyone's dealing, dealing with right now. And I YouTubed a, um, a video that Mark Hoppus did where he was talking about the making of, of the song. And some of the things he was saying was really pointed to, I think, what was going on at the time. So I was kind of thinking, like, how can I, one, like, how can I pitch them an idea that, that, that they would enjoy? And also, two, um, I want to work. <laughs> I'm not used to not working. So yeah. it's weird. So yeah. <laughs> uh, So I, I called that. up Mark and I was like, Mark, I have a crazy idea um you know the song that you guys sent me that we were supposed to do what if we what if we turn it into a music video where we have people who are all staying at home right now you know submit videos and we'll edit it into you know music video for the song etc he loved the idea he called up Saul, who's the their video commissioner at the at the label we pitched the idea to Saul, um and literally that concept went from an idea that i thought of when i listened to the song to we had a website up and we're taking submissions within 48 hours because we knew you know other people are going to do this right right? like fans submitted music videos we're not the first one to do it and now that COVID hit and everyone's at home you know there we knew there was other people doing it and we wanted to be the kind of like the first ones you know to it in a way um and so within 48 hours Saul got the whole team over at Columbia on board and their social team made a website we came up with this whole plan to get people to submit music or uh, videos from home. And um, literally within a week, we put that thing together. And it's wild because we, wow. I never really set out to obviously, it, it wasn't in my mind like the VMAs, like that, it wasn't even a thought of like this could be something that could be nominated yeah. for VMA because it's the first video music video I've done where it, I didn't shoot anything for it. <laughs> it's all fan submitted yeah. videos. So because <laughs> of that, like it would never yeah. was a thought. You know, like when I go out and shoot a music video, I, You know, obviously, like I am thinking about like how it's going to look and like, will this be a big video for the artist? Will this be a video that the VMAs will consider next year? Right. But with this, I wasn't even It happened so fast Mm -hmm. that that wasn't even a thought. So when the VMA nominations came out, um, you know, eight months later, whatever it was, I literally did not like I was looking through and thinking of other videos I had done before COVID, you know, like I work with Justin Bieber or even Youngblood or videos that I was really proud of. And happy days wasn't even remotely on my list of videos to look out for. So when the nominations yeah. came out that day and I'm scrolling through it, I almost had to like scroll back and be like, wait, what? Cause I, I didn't <laughs> know they were having a video, a video. I didn't know they were having a, a new category, best video from home. So I saw nominated in that category. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, this is so dope. And then I kept scrolling and I got to best rock video and I was like, holy shit, it's nominated again for best rock video. Um, and that's wild to me because I've done so many videos yeah. that I'm proud of in the rock category, like um, Machine Gun Kelly, I Think I'm Okay is one of my favorite videos I've done. I thought for sure that would get some sort mm-hmm. of nomination. Um, I work with Young Blood that we shot in Bulgaria. But of course, uh, my first Best Rock video nomination is a video that was done completely from my home office Is wild,
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it goes to kind of what we were saying before, which is like this curse of COVID and the pandemic turned into a blessing and you turn this creativity into a whole new way to create a video. The only video that you haven't actually shot and like really made yourself got you a VMA, you know, or nominated for VMA. Yeah.
1: I think it just, it goes back to kind of a lot of the things we talked about of like not being afraid to take chances and, you know, being resilient, kind of being very malleable in terms of being you know ready for anything and being open for anything, I think that when you mm-hmm. have too much of a fixed mindset, you're you know you too many opportunities you know go past you you know a lot of people would have been afraid to hit Mark Hoppus up the second week of a pandemic and be like, "Hey, let's make a music video <laughs> you know like but like you know my relationship with Mark and Travis you know gave me the confidence to to know that you know they're open to you know anything that's creative, and this was especially an idea that I think was much needed at the time because it gave us kind of all something to do during that, you know, those first couple of months that, um, you know, there was a lot of fear with the pandemic. And I think it really helped a lot of us kind of get through that first time, the first, you know, period of, of the quarantine. Mm -hmm.
2: For sure. For sure. I I think you're, I think you're definitely being a little humble there too. I think, I think, you know, it, (laughs) it goes back to what we were talking about earlier of just, being, being someone with the the sheer determination um, and, and really going out there and, and carving your own path, you know, I think um, it, it's just it's really cool, man. It's it's really inspiring and incredible. Um, just want to say, uh, you know, hats off to you again for that. And um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on especially now, you know, having um, having the career status you do, having the, the leverage and just the, the arsenal, the archive of work you have in the industry now. And being as busy as you are, you know, how do you how do you still prioritize your time and make sure you're set aside the right amount of time to pursue, I guess, the, these other projects um, or passion projects, if you will, um, to kind of lead you, you know, further towards that that film and, and TV uh, career path? Or are you trying to, to solely utilize the client work, I guess, to kind of direct you there?
1: I mean, I think, you know, COVID quarantine definitely helped uh helped me kind of slow down a lot of ways and really reevaluate my career and and um you know i've been doing music videos almost a decade now which is crazy to think about and um you know kind of forced me to slow down and think about how i want to approach the next phase and evolution of my career and recently i signed with paradigm for film and tv um and i got new management over at Luber rocklin thank you for film and tv amazing and i think the misconception about agents and managers is funny because people think agents and managers uh, or their job is to get you more work, uh, which is kind of untrue. I think their job is to just enhance everything you're already doing. So um, signing with them just means now I have to kind of work harder on my own also to get the, the opportunities and get the right projects that they can help me maneuver, right? So as far as film and TV, mm-hmm. COVID helped me stop and read scripts, write scripts, look at material. I have a short film that I'm producing or sorry, mm-hmm. directing um, and producing. Um, this month that came mm-hmm. out of quarantine that I'm really excited about, and I'm um, shooting that with some of my best friends, so that'll be really fun. But I think also it kind of um, reminded me that awesome. I think it's also important what we say yes and no to. I'm saying no to a lot more music videos that come my way that yep. don't fit the narrative of of what I want to do in film and TV. Um, and I think it's important because the reality is like you know some of these music videos you know you spend three or four weeks on, and while it's good to have a paycheck. Um, I think that it's also just as important to, um, use that time to say no and focus on the, you know, whatever that next chapter of your career is going to be.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a great way 100%. to put it. We've been talking about that a lot lately is just the opportunity cost of, you know, saying yes or no to that video. And if it's going to steer you into the direction that you want to go, yeah. you know, or not.
1: And also know your value. You know, I think it's important to know your value and the jobs that you do take on. Yeah. Don't settle for, for uh, you know, less than you feel that you deserve. And I think, you know, I think we talked about this earlier, but like when you're starting out, like, I think it is important to say yes to as many opportunities as you can and that you can afford. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of overhead mm-hmm. usually when you start out, you know. Yeah. Another know value of, of all the experiences that that you have and all the experience that you gain along the way. And as you progress in your career, um, you know, have confidence in everything that you've learned and, and have that reflect in the rates and, you know, what you charge.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, a little bit about your future and where you're looking to go. It seems like you're looking to take more of that next step to that narrative filmmaking, you know, with the new, uh, additions to your management team and, uh, and whatnot. And so, and then, and also you're creating a spec like short film to go with that, to add to your narrative piece of work. Is that right? Like you want to go in that direction going forward?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, you know at this point i'm just I'm doing everything I can to um get to that next chapter of film and t v and I finally have a great team around me that really believes in my vision in mm-hmm. the film and t v space is gonna is gonna help me get there. but I think what's most important is to make projects you believe in mm-hmm. um and I think that when it comes to the short film I'm making, which is a story that I believe in, and like we talked about, the music videos that I try and make are stories and and visions that I believe in um and you just have to have faith I think that when you when you're doing something you believe in, that the end result is going to be something that's going to get you to the next evolution of, of your career, whatever that may be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the the future of media production looks like for the next five years? Like, what do you, what are some trends that you're seeing or how, you know, is it, is it mostly going to be short form that you're really focusing on? Is it still a long form? Like, where do you see this, this industry going? Um,
1: in the bigger, in the bigger picture, in terms of film and TV, I, th- I think we're going to have a renaissance in terms of the diversity of stories that we see. I think we've, at this point, there's so much content out there and we've come so far I was, uh, in, in film, you know, like when Avatar came out, that was a huge deal because we'd never seen anything like that before. Right. And I feel like at this point, like we've pretty much seen everything technology is so advanced. So now that we've you know kind of hit a plateau of technology hopefully what's going to be next is we're going to get back to the story we're going to get back to hearing diverse stories um from all you know diverse directors and talent so i think Mm -hmm. that's really exciting to know that we're going to see a lot of hopefully a lot of really great stories coming soon i've been looking a lot at uh virtual productions which is super fascinating Mm -hmm. right now um kind of like the you know mandalorian technology I did a tour of one of those stages so cool. uh, a couple of weeks ago and I was just blown away by um, by it. And it's wild because I was listening to an interview with Roger Deakins the other day because um, I was curious to know what he thinks of, of you know, this technological revolution and, and virtual reality. And he actually said that it's, it's kind of cool because as a DP, if you're shooting a scene at sunset, say an action scene at sunset, You might have to come back, you know, eight sunsets in a row to just complete that one scene. Right. And that's eight days of your crew. That's eight Uh days of your actors. And now with these virtual reality stages, you can shoot that whole scene in one day because you can literally have that sunset there as long as you want. Right. Um, And therefore, you have more time to do other projects. You have more time to, um, you know, pursue other things but you know I think with everything you know yeah. there's a little bit lost lost in that I think which is a little bit sad in terms of you know there's nothing like the energy that that comes with rolling up to a unique location but there's a lot of cool things I think about no VR doubt. and I think that's the next stage of filmmaking for sure awesome. very cool very cool yeah
2: um you know as we're kind of you know working to to wrap up here Andrew would would love to hear your thoughts man on uh or I guess not even thoughts I mean I guess just you know Final pieces of advice, you know, for, for our listeners here, um, anyone tuning in, uh, you know, you know, plethora of, of work you've done, the career path you've had, you know, acting, producing, directing, you know, what's your, what's your pieces yeah. of advice for our listeners here? Kind of,
1: you know, words of wisdom here. I mean, before anything, I would say just start by doing you know, I think a lot of people overanalyze their process. A lot of people get in their own way. They're worried that, you know, since they don't have the best red camera or they don't have an Alexa that therefore they can't go out and make a short film. And I would say that's, you know, that's not true. You know, we all have an iPhone. Um, you know, we can, you know, some of, you know, if you can't afford a, you know, a Canon or a Sony or one of these new um, DSLR cameras, then use that. But there's always ways to, to tell your stories. There's always ways, you know, to, to get into filmmaking I would say don't let technology get in the way, just go out and start by doing. When I first started producing, I had no idea what I was doing, like literally, but mm-hmm. I jumped in <laughs> and like I jumped in, I just did it. And you just have to keep going and keep learning along the way and just keep being a sponge to everything and any, you know, anything that comes your way and embrace accidents. You know, I think a lot of people are afraid to 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 say they don't know how to do something or they're afraid to to um they're afraid that things won't go perfectly. And I would say to that is, is embrace accidents as miracles and use them to create something better than you ever imagined.
0: Yeah. I couldn't. Literally every
1: opportunity is, is a lesson and you you take each lesson into the, you know, the next project and the next project and that's what um, develops a rhythm. And that rhythm is
0: what's going to um, make you and your work evolve. Yeah. And you, you need to be out there doing oh, it. Yeah, man. <laughs> you need, you, make it happen. You know, there's no excuses yeah. anymore.
1: Oh, and also build a support group. Support group. I think if you're just starting out, I think it's very important to build a support group. I think that's huge. I think, you know, what we do is interesting as filmmakers and directors because you have to be both resilient and fragile at the same time, right? Like you have to be tough, tough as hell to fight for a vision, to um, work with some of these artists who can be super intimidating. Mm-hmm. Um, But then you also have to be fragile when it comes to working with actors and telling your story and learning how to communicate, right? So it's kind of this double-edged sword where you have to be, you know, on one hand, super tough because it is a business at the end of the day, right? But then you also have to look the other way and be fragile when it comes to the work you're doing and the story you're telling and the people that you're, you know, working with, the actors you're working with on a daily basis. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very interesting part of the process as well.
0: Thanks so much, man, for taking the time to join us today. I mean, you dropped so much gems that our audience, I'm sure, are going to learn a ton from. Um, For our audience, you can follow Andrew on Instagram (laughs) at Andrew underscore Sandler. And then you can follow our podcast at Learn Videography and at Industry Jump and myself at JJ Engler and Kyle at Cal Visuals. Other than that, this is Learn Videography. Signing out. We'll catch you next time, guys. Andrew, thanks again for your time today. One love. Take care. Be safe, guys. Appreciate it. What's up, guys? Thanks for making it through another episode of Learn Videography. I hope you learned a ton because I know we did. We love having these episodes. And we just wanted to quickly drop you some more knowledge about Jump Studios, our status, where we're at with everything. Um, As you know, one of the Perks of Jump Studios is actually the perks itself. So if you join Jump Studios, you sign up, you'll have access to uh, discounts to other partners in the industry, in addition to Audio Socket. So we have people like FilterGrade, we're offering twenty percent off their products. Moment, which is offering fifteen percent off their products. We have uh, our music video templates, which are fifty percent off. House is doing thirty percent off. Epidemic Sound is doing a couple free months, and so much more. So if you sign up to Jump Studios. You'll also have access to these perks, for no additional cost. Um, in terms of the status, Kyle, where are we at with status of Jump Studios right now?
2: Yeah, so we've got a beta launch that we just recently opened up to the public here. And so we're really looking for some select creators like you guys listening here, you know, that are really dedicated to growing and optimizing their video production business to test out our brand new video review feature. So you can go ahead and jump into the platform, sign up now. And check out that video review feature, share it with some of your friends or maybe some of your smaller clients, you know, and check out what what, what some of these features are like, you know, and how you can use them to your advantage, like annotating on the video files, um, putting exact time markers for different changes you might want, um, utilizing for review or presentations to give them kind of more of that finalized, perfect product. Um, So it's, it's a great platform. We're really excited for you guys to check it out.
0: Yeah. And like Kyle said, we're slowly giving access to everybody to use it. But if you go to jumpstudios.io, sign up, we'll email you when it's your time to sign up. Uh, at this stage, it's free just to get started. Uh, just because we want to get people involved, we, we're looking for feedback. We want to make this as good as possible. So if you want to join us on this journey, go to jumpstudios.io to get started. We'll see you there.